Hello, it's time to build your empire. Sophie Zolman, owner and founder of Sophie Zoe Virtually There For You, is sharing the secrets to building a better business and taking back your time. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Building Your Empire with Sophie Zoe. I'm excited for yet another amazing and fun and cool guest. Um, this whole year of doing guests has been so much fun and it just gets better every time I bring somebody else on. So today's guest is Elizabeth Wesley Casella. She is the founder and CEO of L12 Services, a Washington DC firm focused on internal communications and organizational development. She works with businesses to improve workflow, processes, and culture by leveraging the institutional knowledge of existing team members. She is a skilled strategic advisor specializing in attrition mitigation, workflow management, process improvement, and culture. Elizabeth has over 20 years of experience as an administrator and policy and programming consultant. Her work has contributed to successful project outcomes in federal health policy, international program development, and nonprofit association management. A woman who speaks to my heart, processes, procedures, communication, culture, workflow, Hello. That's what we do to make a business grow, right? 100%. <laughs> All righty. So in terms of how I talk to my guests and the, and the topic we discuss, the question is, what is your best advice for business owners who want to scale to the next level and beyond? First, it's saying thank you to the host of the podcast that you've been so lovely to have been invited on. <laughs> You're welcome. Because my mama would, you know, rip me bald-headed if I didn't. And um, the the piece of advice, I have two pieces of advice. One is practical and one is just not. Uh, the practical piece is to start documenting your processes early. Even if you are a party of one, start to write down what your procedures are and what your practices are. So not only can you see what you're doing every day and, and maybe fine tune that to see how you can become more effective. But also when you decide to grow to that next level, you're going to be taking the uh, onboarding time and reducing it significantly. So if you start to write down what you do and how you do it, you already have your SOPs begun before you start training anybody else to step in and help take over for you. If you go on vacation or there's an emergency or you're just simply killing it and, and you're growing by leaps and bounds and you're able to delegate. And then the other piece of advice is always be nice, but carry a great sense of humor with you. I love that. I love both those pieces. Of course, I love the SOP part because hello, certified OBM who wants to come in and manage everything. And if you've already got the SOPs in place, that makes my job so much easier from the get go. But again, if not, we can help you do that. So let's kind of talk about that, the SOP process. I have been in different companies at, who've, that have approached it in different ways. One company I know, they hired someone to come in and interview everybody and on a video, and then they transcribed it and created written policies and procedures. And other people, you know, have like the team member or have the owner sit down and write out or, you know, loom video. Do you have an opinion on what is the best way to do it? Is it a matter of if the business owner is just not 
into it. You know what I mean? Cause you know, you don't want to, it's like, all right, I have enough to do and you want me to write down my processes too. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, I think that if you are standardizing with an eye toward bringing other people on, that it's always great to have somebody who's not you as part of the process. And here's why we all have our own internal shorthand. Like when you, think an idea or or you're crafting a message in your head you don't use all the words in order that you would in a sentence it's more of a feeling more of a theory when we're writing down what it is that we do we leave those you know ancillary words and ideas out so the next person that picks it up that isn't us who if they aren't familiar with the work that we're doing may look at it and say I think there are four or five steps missing because they don't all actually connect, but I don't know what those four or five steps are. And it, it just, you know, recomplicates everything and adds that time back into the onboarding process. When you're doing it with teams, I think that it's great for everybody to talk about the current state and then the ideal state and then figure out how to get from one to the other and why that's really helpful is because when you have team members who are steeped in the the tasks that they do and the responsibilities that they have, when they play off of each other, they're not only helping to define the gates of responsibility, but they're also bringing about possibly innovative new ideas. So it's kind of like a brainstorming or a Kaizen session that helps you also document your processes. I love that. And, and and I love how you've described that as kind of like an all-in-one thing that gets done efficiently because you could document everything, then review it and go, is this the best way to do it? Well, let's try it and see. And then go, oh, no, there is a better way to do it. So let's revise this or redo it. It sounds like your process is more fluid and gets there, gets you from where you are and what you're doing to the best possible way to do it in a much more fluid, effective way that's not like, do this, then do that, then do that. You know, it's kind of like one big, one, one process that flows instead of a big, chunky project that you have to, okay, we're going to do all the SOPs first. And then we're going to review them and see if they make sense. And then we're going to try them to make sure they actually work. And then we're going to see if we need to improve them. And then we're going to redo them. So how can you, without, you know, I mean, going into a complete lecture on this, how does that kind of work on a very high level to where you can get someone or get a company to go, here's what we're doing. Here's what needs to happen to make it better to get to that ideal. We're doing it the most effective way possible. Sure. Well, both ways do have the the ideate, document, test, review, or revise steps. But when you're doing it with all of the team members at the same time, you're able to skip a couple of those uh, testing phases because you're talking it out at the same time. And maybe you're clarifying, like I said, the gates of responsibility or job descriptions or people's preferred skill set in the moment. So that does help you rather than doing it in a silo or a vacuum, you know, by yourself and then testing with everybody's input, you can capture more. Um, you know, it's it's almost a game of numbers. 
when when you're when I'm doing it with my team with a larger organization, we are um, looking at the workflow and mapping it, but we're also at the same time listening for those who have institutional knowledge who may have been on the on the team for a long time and may know you know how different challenges have come up, how it's been addressed, why it didn't work, what they would change now. And that has an intrinsic value, especially when we're talking about, multi-generational voices within teams today because a lot of people you know a lot of people my age are starting to consider leaving the workforce because they don't feel relevant as opposed to the newer people on the team who may be really um, fluent in uh, the language of digital communication but they don't have that institutional knowledge so when we're doing the focus groups we're we're looking at both the current and the future state we're listening for institutional knowledge we're listening for innovative ideas for the newer digital age set. And we're trying to create some relationships, whether they're mentor-mentee relationships or they're just working relationships um, where people can collaborate better. We're trying to, to create those in order to leverage all of the knowledge at once. Because if you think of a mentor-mentee relationship in the traditional vein, you would think institutional knowledge person is the mentor and digital communications person is the mentee because they're younger or they're newer. But if you flip that on its head, you find a new value to it. You, you have an opportunity for the person with the institutional knowledge to learn new skills about how they can communicate what they know with the help of the person that has the fluid digital communication skills. So when we're taking all of that together, now all of a sudden we have the ideas, the knowledge, the history, and the method which with, with which you can get the information out in a way that everybody has access to it. So that, that's kind of what we're doing, and it, it helps to increase the speed of implementing that workflow because everyone is on board, and if the person who's hosting the focus group is doing their job well, everyone is informed every step of the way and knows what the next step is about to be. Got it. I love that. So it sounds like, I mean, and this is, and you know, I know we are a lot more remote and I mean, I've always been virtual and my team has always been virtual. So I've always been in that space and it's never, you know, bothered me, so to speak. We've always done our things virtually on a Zoom or a WebEx or something. But, you know, I take it that pre-pandemic, you guys did a lot of this like in-house, in a conference room with all the people together in person, face-to-face with whatever tools you needed to be able to do this. So here we are post-pandemic where many people are remote and staying remote. How has that affected the, the ability to do it in that group kind of setting? And is it still that uh, effective and eat well? Easy is not right, quite the right word, but is it still doable without stressing people out, without people going, you know, I mean, because, you know, if someone's Zoom is freezing, you can't very well, you know, have this nice, fluid conversation, brainstorm, documentation thing. How has that affected the ability to do what you do in the way that you do it? You know, it's been an interesting um, trial of testing various softwares and platforms, but my firm has landed on a few that uh, they're just 
they are tried and true and, and we support and love them and promote them wherever we can. Um, one of which is a whiteboard online application called Mural, M-U-R-A-L dot com. And everyone within a Zoom or a WebEx or whatever video platform can log in at the same time. They can be themselves or they can be an animal, like you can be anonymous, you can be your, your named self, and you can move items on the whiteboard around every individual at the same time. So you could have sticky notes on there where people are typing, or you can have images where people are moving things around. So there is that interconnected interactivity happening. And, and that has that was a game changer when we figured that one out. Everybody still gets to come to the table, have ideas, participate, and feel as though they're contributing, even if they don't like speaking or public speaking or don't want to be on camera. Um, another tool that we love to use is just a straightforward um, workflow software called SCORE, which is at um, getscore.com, S-K-O-R-E. And they have some really just super easy, intuitive, but very high-functioning work mapping, workflow mapping um, softwares. I use those all the time with my clients. But before we get to that space where we're all interacting, one of the things that um, I'm trying to do that so that I can support the overall event and understand just how much change and conversation people can take during a focus group is we're also testing for chaos tolerance. And in the context of the work that I do, what I'm really testing for is where people are at in burnout. So if I have a group of 10 people and I'm doing a, a quick survey that takes maybe seven, eight minutes, the information that I can get back is that, you know, four of them right now can't handle much more change. And so if I'm communicating with them about change or about the process or the activity that we're going to undertake, I'm going to avoid certain methods. Like I'm not going to shoot everything out via email. I'm instead going to call them one-on-one -on -one and have a conversation to create that trust and that feeling of safety and, and that um, ability to be vulnerable and give them an opportunity to ask questions ahead of time. Conversely, if everybody's fine with change and they just want to get on with it and they're you know super into their teams, um, then we might be able to do everything over either a project management platform or an email scenario. It just depends on meeting the people that I'm dealing with where they're at. So we're, we're figuring out mentally where they're at and then we're letting them run wild on the computer. I love that. That's really good. And I, you know, I want to touch on one other thing very quickly before it is time to unfortunately wrap it up. Time is flying here. Um, culture. And you've already mentioned the multi-generational aspect of things these days there's also all the other things that make up the culture, whether it be gender, race, religion, all of those different things. And everybody's, you know, everybody's got to, I mean, it. everybody's got to get along. Um, where does what you do, where does culture come into that? How do you, how do you, um, you know, take care of the culture side of things in this process of building the SOPs and the processes and all that. Um, what else is there to consider and do there to make sure that everybody's comfortable, everybody is 
getting along and it's going to work for the duration, not just the here and now. You know, there are people and coaches who come in specifically for specific types of cultural challenges. There are a lot of people that work in DE&I and do an excellent job. I don't, I don't claim to be an expert in their area, but I do bump up against it. And as much as that the culture that I'm trying to create with the help of the people who work within it is one where people feel comfortable to have innovative ideas and understand that they um, are aligned personally with the organization's mission, vision, and values. Um, I'm trying to create a work ecosystem where everything is interdependent and everything feels as though it's trustworthy, um, where people want to invest of themselves and go that extra mile or uh, plan to be there long enough to see the fruits of professional development, that type of cultural environment. And, and the way that we do that is by allowing the organization to show us where they want to go and, and, and helping to codify and document that. Um, because there are, you know, every business is different and there is no one model that's best. Whatever works at Google, if you're, you know, sitting on bouncy balls and running around with no shoes on and, and you have a slide, may not be right for Truist. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want a sleep room. Where's my sleep room? I mean, can I go just go, go down to my bedroom and take a nap? I mean, hey, they do it at Google. Can't I do that too? <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, this has been so good and so helpful. And I love how you bring your knowledge and expertise to the SOP operational team building, company building uh, arena, which is a you know big part of what I love to talk about and what you know I can do for some of my clients as well. So tell us where they can find you, learn more about you, and see if they need to have you come into their company and and do the things that you do to help them get on track to reach those goals that they have. Certainly. Um, my, you know, my team, we are all on LinkedIn and our LinkedIn page is l12services.com, l12services. Uh, that's also the, the website you can find us at. Um, and, and it's important to just make the caveat that everything that I talked about today, though it may sound like it's for larger teams, all of those techniques can be used on teams as, large, as small as two. If you want to have brainstorming ideas with one other person, whether it's your VA or your OBM or your bookkeeper, utilizing tools that help you document your workflow or help you brainstorm and using a whiteboard um, or just finding out where you both are on, on your ability to manage and deal with more change, they are all effective. So I, I hope that everybody knows that from entrepreneur all the way to corporate, um, these are helpful tools. And if anybody would like to discuss how to use them with me, I am more than happy to connect. That sounds amazing. And thank you for clarifying that because yet some people could get the impression that this is corporate level or this is big company level. Um, but it's really not. I mean, this kind of thing is important for small businesses all the way up to the Googles and the Amazons. And it's, it's everybody in between because the processes and the team and working together to be as effective and efficient as possible 
is really important and it doesn't matter how big you are. It's important. So getting that kind of help from someone like you or someone like me, it can go, you know, as big or small as you need. I love that you pointed that out because it does need to be clear that you don't have to be big time to need this. In fact, if you want to go from here to big time, you really need this. Exactly. So, Thank you. Point well made. So, yes, if you want to go from small business to big time, you really need this even more so than the big time people needed who want to go even bigger. So, yes, perfect. So, well, unfortunately, our time is up. It's been really great having you, Elizabeth. I'm so excited um, to have you and to share our great um, ideas about the SOPs and organization and all of that. And to my listeners, if you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And definitely get in contact with Elizabeth to see if she can be of help to you. And we will see you all next week on another episode of Building Your Empire with Sophie Zoe. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Building Your Empire. For more tips on business building and living your best life, check out our website at sophiezoe.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Have a great day.